Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up? What's <laughs> I can't tell if my mic's the on or not, dude. It sounds weird. <laughs> What's up, guys? How you doing, man? Good. Got Armando on tonight. Josh had some stuff he had to do, so uh, it's perfect though because me and Armando both use Douglas, and we are having on a Douglas guest tonight, so it's gonna be fun. It is. Yeah. So, uh, what's new with you, man? Anything new? Uh what's new, man? Uh, what is it? New episode of the? What is this? When is this airing? This is airing next um, week. Oh, next week. Week from Thursday. Week from Thursday, so man, uh, let me see. It's gonna be old news by then, but when t- <laughs> at the end of the year, uh, December thirty first, man, um, with uh, Carlos Torres from Lone Star Kayak Fishing, um, and had a great time. I've never had a day like that. We caught like in between both of us, caught like fifty bass. Well, Jeff too. We caught like fifty bass easily. I caught like yeah. fifteen. Jeff caught like 10 and Carlos caught like 25 of them, man. It was, it was a magical day. It was one of those days where you're like, you couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I love that. Dude. So it was fun. So much fun. seems like this year or last year now, it's not 2021 anymore. Last year I had way more, day, way more like 20 fish days than I ever have. I don't know why it was, but. Oh, you, you know, have more than, you have multiple 20 fish days. I did. I had like. I probably had like 10 days like that last year. I was really? Like, yeah. I had a good a good year last year. I, I'd say you did. That's it's, awesome. It, I'm jealous. It was fun. I don't know if I can top 2021 though. So we're going to try. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, guys, we got a uh, cool guest for you tonight. We're going to be talking to Donnie uh, Espy from Douglas Rods. We're going to talk a little bit about Douglas, a little bit about some of his favorite fishing products in general since we are a fishing uh product review segment so get john uh get donnie in here welcome to the show man what's going on guys thanks for having me definitely dude i feel like i've known you for a while because i mean me and you have talked so much 
social media in general that way is so ridiculous um i know like when i before i even started working at douglas i started talking to guys and now they're on our pro staff it's it feels like it's a family personal way and just you know you reach out to people and after 20 messages back and forth you really feel like you know the guy so you know it's nice to guess finally meet you guys in person yeah <laughs> it's funny because we're like right there in the camera and then you're like all far away over there like yeah, I know. i'm hiding behind my screen <laughs> Yeah, that, that's funny though yeah but yeah man glad to have you on the show um yeah you want to give yourself give, give a, a listeners a little background on you like uh, where you're from all that kind of stuff yeah definitely so i'm from like upstate new york uh i went to plattsburgh state college uh during college obviously there i was the president of the fishing team uh, you can see my jersey up here in the left um you know started there worked at dick sporting goods as far as like background in, in the fishing industry works um from there I got a job working for Rod Geeks, which is a uh, custom rod builder company. Uh, we built blanks for St. Croix uh, factory down in Mexico, which built rods for St. Croix as well. Um, after that position, uh, we got bought out by St. Croix, started working for a beer distributor. And then, uh, like we talked about earlier before I hopped on here, um, interview with my boss here at Douglas Rods right now. Uh, within like a 24-hour period, really got the offer. It was nice. He had confidence in me just from having that past experience. So you know, got the job here. I am now probably about four months in. So it's been great, great experience, great team, great rods, and just happy to be here. Yeah, I agree, man. That, that, uh, you said something about Douglas feeling like a little family and stuff like that. I completely agree. And I think that's what attracted me to Douglas. Well, that and Brian give me the rod to hold in my <laughs> hand. But uh, the thing I like the most is probably the small family feel to it. It's not like the big, huge, like, yeah the big huge brand out there yet you know what i mean no and it's great because we are growing and it was really nice yeah. to get in at the ground floor and you know basically if you know uh you got a problem with your rod you're talking to one of three people and we still have the capability to do everything that the big companies can do with it for marketing sales and getting you the rods that you need our inventory right now is really good and that's some things that a lot of companies are struggling with so it, mm -hmm. it's nice to be on this side of it um and like you said it's it's a win-win, you know, the company as a whole is very, you know, we're big, but as what makes you guys feel like is like you're talking to the same person over and over, which it really is, which is nice. Yeah, it is nice. Let me put you on the spot here, Donnie. Hey. Um, so you work for St. Croix. Now you work for Douglas right out of the bat. Um, yep. What do you think compared to the two companies? Yeah, definitely. So um, they're both family run, which is a really cool thing. Uh, St. Croix has been in business for a crazy long time, which is obviously their biggest asset when it comes to rods. You know, just think about your fishing skills. You know, how many years you've been fishing? First year to your last year currently. Obviously, your skills will go up. But as far as Douglas being a young company, their rods are really competitive. Um, working with St. Croix, I got access to uh, the factory. Um, got to like see their raw products and stuff like that. And it's very comparable to what we have. Um, the rods are as well. And um, everybody asked me this question, especially in the, in the office. It's like, oh, what's the difference? Who's better? Who's better? It's like um, Douglas has specific models and St. Croix has specific models that I like. But the Douglas rods lately, when I've been fishing them, I've been feeling things that I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of speaks for itself when you're using the rods. And, um, you know, it's... It's definitely a difference, and I, I do appreciate the the quality that Fred Cantali, our our uh, designer, puts into his his models. For example, Saint Croix. Uh, if you get a model and a spinning rod, you're getting the same exact blank in the casting version. 
Fred doesn't do that. He does both designs separately. So it's, it's, you're going to get, you're getting the optimal rod blank for that rod, which is really cool. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I call Fred the mad scientist of rod <laughs> yeah, design. He really I had is. to meet, he really he, is. you know, I got to hang out with him at the Bassmasters, um, the classic. classic. Yeah. At the booth in Douglas. Funny guy. <laughs> love he talking is. to him. Wealth of knowledge, too, man. Just a wealth. It's, when it comes to rod designing, it's just top notch. The, uh, the the experiences people have when fishing, you know, the, uh, I always talk about having um, whatever the word is, basically, um, perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk to someone who's a charter captain down in Florida Keys, yeah, I think catching mahi mahi is super cool, but he's thinking walking out on ice, six inches of ice, driving a truck on 15 inches of ice is some crazy other thing. So, having perspective and fred has perspective on a lot of different aspects of the fishing industry and that's really what knowledge is it's not exactly one you can be your, you can be the top of your craft for like the bass pros and stuff like that but to be an elitist i feel like you have to have perspective on almost all industries of the fishing world and fred really does oh yeah i agree with that i mean it's like that in any any industry really i mean you don't want to be a master of one thing and you know not yeah. know anything of anything else yeah. If you're a NASCAR driver, you don't want to be just taking left turns the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what they That's do? That's a good though? analogy. <laughs> yeah. Got to get a little Formula One in there. That's funny. <laughs> no, I, I need to get that uh, Fred on, man. On a yeah, I was just talking to him today. He said he, he said he'd love to come on. Yeah. He, he liked one of my pictures today. I was like, hey, cool. <laughs> man, top of the world. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty cool. But, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Donnie. The, yeah, go for it. Your handle on Instagram, Danny the Mullet. I know uh-huh. you're far away, but I can already see the salad <laughs> yeah. just waving on the back. Could you give us, you know, I'm a huge fan of yeah, the of mullet. Course. So, you know, it, what, what, it's usually men that ask me this question. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of mullets up there in upstate New York? Uh, you know, ever since Morgan Wallen really came into the scene, it's kind of what I've been seeing. But um, definitely more longer hair. I think it was a uh, it was a main thing of lockdown. People just couldn't get haircuts, and then yeah, that was my biggest thing is I didn't want to take the time to like go through that weird awkward stage of like half mullet. But I got mm-hmm. to do it in the security of my own basement and not have anybody see me for three months, so it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> and then afterwards, That's I was awesome. like, yeah, it doesn't look half bad. <laughs> That's awesome. where we were pride, man. Where we pride. Yep. See, I've I've been seeing a lot of like high school pros like football prospects they they they're like rocking them lately yeah you'll you know they'll see their like profile picture of them getting signed the, by one of their schools the biggest thing i always see when it comes to haircuts it's a uh, minnesota hockey they yeah. have i think it's minnesota hockey yeah. but they have like the championship every year and like that's yeah. like a huge thing is you have to have the lettuce yeah there's videos that every year yeah it reminds me of a uh, yamir yager actually <laughs> me and me and armando was talking about the 90s pins the other way yeah <clears throat> yeah i grew i didn't watch much hockey i grew up in puerto rico but i did get into a little bit of the mario lemukes um penguins just because it was such a dominating sport that was like close to a dynasty i've seen in hockey and again i'm not a huge hockey fan but mm-hmm. i really l- enjoyed watching them play yamir yager mario lemukes had mm-hmm. a bunch of good guys over there yeah growing up i had uh season tickets to a local college team so we'd go almost every friday night during the season it's fun that's my favorite sport to watch live really you know what it is i don't i'll say this i've gone to nfl games and i think it's too much of dead time between places like 30 seconds of a play that 
half the time ends up with a penalty, so it doesn't count for anything. And then I got into watching hockey, which I never got into TV, but I, I got a buddy of mine that got free tickets to the Dallas Stars. So he went mm-hmm. one day, and I really enjoy watching hockey live, man, because it's not, it kind of reminds me of soccer. It's nonstop action. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, keep going. No timeouts. Just keep going. And the greatest thing hockey has is the air horn. Every single yeah. sport, when their team scores, <laughs> should have a horn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's always hockey. Like, the sounds of hockey is amazing. Yes. The sticks yep. hitting, the puck yep. hitting the net, uh, the puck hitting the post. Even, like, the oh, whistle man. throughout the entire stadium is always yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, who's your favorite uh, professional team? I'm a Caps fan. I didn't have a huge tan, uh, team up until college, and my, my roommate was a Caps fan. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Overcheck. Oh, yeah. Ovechkin, yeah. Yeah he's, Ovechkin, he's, yeah. he's good. I can't hate, but I don't like Tom Wilson, so. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of dirty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody admitted it. That's awesome. <laughs> Usually people give me crap about it. He just has he just has heart for the sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude, let's get back into Douglas stuff, man. Uh yeah, definitely. What's your, what's your favorite rod? Right now it's probably I'm really into like the 745 casting rod. Um and then I really haven't gotten too much use out of it just for being here really a short time during the actual season, but I did get to use them up on the St. Lawrence river. Um, in the, uh, seven forty two, I think it was that as a drop shot rod up in the river is like, that's another thing about Douglas is like, we make area specific technique specific rods. So up in the St. Lawrence, you need a longer rod in order to fight those larger small mouth, especially in a three mile an hour current, like it is up there. Yep. So having that extra yeah. length uh, really helps fight the fish. And then the other thing you do up in the St. Lawrence is you drift. It's not like you're spot locking over top of them and playing video games, looking at your screen. You're doing like 200 yards, 100 yard drifts up. You go mm-hmm. up the river, turn off, come back down. And having that longer rod to stick off the boat because it's such clear water really helps. So that was one thing I got to use and drop shotting. I've never had a really strong stance on. So using that for the first time and getting to feel that compared to the rods like I think most people's drop shot rods uh, standard, at least on a bass boat, I know you guys are big kayak guys, is like a 6'10", uh, medium light, extra fast. Mm-hmm. So using something a little bit different than that was, was odd for me. But then back to that casting rod, the the X-Matrix uh, 745 is just, I like this a little right bit of extra length. Yeah, I like, let me see, yep. Yeah, I like a little bit of extra extra length, and that medium heavy for me is nice because it's such an all-around rod, uh, swim jigs, Spinner baits, uh, it's a little long for that, but like just flipping and pitching in general, um, mm-hmm. it's just nice. And like that was, this is the first rod I really started feeling things where I'd never felt before in my other rods. So whether it was, unfortunately, the first thing I felt was like um, hooked into a bass, reeling him in. And like I like, very distinctly remember, it's just like him letting go of it, it hitting his, and then hitting a tail or thumping it again which is like one thing I've never felt before is like after that immediate release hitting it again, or it hit his lip or did something like that. I just mm-hmm. had never felt before. So, you know, that was kind of an eye opener for me, especially, you know, using other rods for such a long time and investing a lot of money into it. And now, you know, I'm definitely, definitely going to take the chance to uh, get rid of what I have and start refilling up with these. So that's just speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I did. I'm, I, <sighs> Last year, I had so many rods from different companies, and you know, I, I tried to be like technique specific. I just couldn't 
Mm -hmm. I wasn't happy, you know. So then Brian put one of these in my hand. I checked it out. I was like, all right, I'm switching all all over to these because they got all these categories of so many rods to choose from that you can do multiple things with. And that's what I like about it. Uh, Yeah. All my rods serve as multi-purpose. You use the 745. I use the 744. Which mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much difference in between the two. My, yours is probably a little bit stiffer, but yeah, it's about it. Um, the main reason I like the five is on a bass boat, at least boat flipping, I just get a little bit more confidence. Um, and then I just like the stiffness in letting me do the work, not the rod, for certain tactics like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at least working with the a rod and custom rod designers. Um, you start to learn the the characteristics of certain rods that they carry, whether it's, you know, different actions, different powers and understanding what tactic relates to certain powers and characteristics of the rods. So like, you know, we talked about the lipless crankbait rod earlier. You want something with a lo- really long backbone that bends down into the handle. They call it like a parabolic action that mm-hmm. just allows that rod to do most of the work. And then with any treble hook, you want the rod to have less let more give to it so a slower action um and it just helps keep those rods pegged the hooks pegged and with you know with the, when i'm throwing jigs or swim jigs when it's one big single hook the the stiffer the rod the better for me personally you know and that's that's the other thing about rods it's most of its personal preference you know i've met people who mm-hmm. i throw a jerk bait on like a six eight like medium moderate and there's mm-hmm. other people who like to throw it on fast and you know top water like stick baits i throw on a six eight medium moderate the same rod other people like to throw it on fast because they can work it faster or something like that. So it's it's all personal preference, but mm-hmm. there, there's definitely a fine line between finding the right thing to make sure you land the most fish. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the jerk bait because I just recently got into it a few months ago. Uh, I've been messing with mine a little bit. I've thrown it on the seven four four. I like it on that. Mm-hmm. I also throw it on the seven zero four M, and I like it on that too. So it's always a toss up. Like when I get out there, it's I don't know which which rod I'm gonna use until I'm like, all right, I'm gonna put a uh, square bill on the 704M or uh, a jig on the 744F, you know. So it just depends. On yeah, and especially like on a there. kayak, I'm sure it helps having rods that can do multiple tasks. Um, you can't have you know 15, 20 rods on you at all times. So being able to have something that can do three things at once is definitely a, definitely a strong point. Yeah, uh, and, I, I, and I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I know guys, kayak guys. They do carry 10, 15 rods. Some of them. I think Armando's <laughs> one of them. Yeah, I <laughs> carry nine rods. Okay, I, I carry nine rods. I can probably carry more, um, but nine is it, after that. It gets a little bit crowded. Yeah. on my on my PA fourteen. But I mean, one of the things mentioned is like they have the good all around rods, and I think. That's great uh, for kayak anglers like myself. I think a lot of people that are getting to kayak anglers kind of underestimate that part. You, when you're kayak angling, you you really do benefit from having technique specific rods mm-hmm. because you you really are you really have a, a bass. Even a two pound bass would tow you or at least move your your kayak i don't matter i don't care how big your kayak is i have a pa14 and i was just fishing this weekend i had bass two pound bass when yeah. they're aggressive and they hit they'll they'll turn you around mm-hmm. so they, they'll tell you you get a uh 24 inch double digit bass they'll take you on a sleigh ride so yeah. you really do benefit more than any from mother more than bank fishing more than boat fishing you really do benefit from 
having technique specifics. And that's why I carry 10 nine rods for the most part, because you really, it really is. I mean, I started using my chatterbait rod, my crankbait rod, mm-hmm. my chatterbait rod. And as good as it is, you know, mm-hmm. once it came out to chatterbaits, there was miss hood sex. Once I switched to it, once I got a chatterbait rod specifically for that. Yeah. You, you can see the difference like there. Yes, there are times where the bass are just not going to be that aggressive. And unfortunately, get them right at the edge, it comes off. But I think having a good rod, a great rod that's technique specifics gives you a bigger margin of error, meaning that if your bass didn't completely swallow your bait, you still that good rod, great rod will still give you a chance of pinning it down versus a stiffer rod or rod that's not made for that technique or it's not a great product if you don't hook it right at the top of the mouth you know hook penetrated everything you're pretty much gonna lose it because it's not gonna give you that margin of error that a great douglas rod technique specific is gonna give you yeah definitely um question for you armando what is the shortest rod you carry on your deck for i got man i have two now I actually will have one on order, but one that's going to be, I think it's the six, I think I have a six, eight, the jerk bait. I, Caleb got me on that one. Okay. Um, and I love it. Um, that's six, eight. Um, uh, Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. It's the LRS. I think it's a three. Let me look. Um, but the only reason why I ask is uh, talking to a lot of kayak anglers, some guys don't go under a certain length due to the fact that they might have to bring the bass around the front of the kayak. Oh, if it's yeah. too short, they won't reach is what I've heard. I wasn't sure if you guys if are you ha- if you have a bow mountain trolling motor, then yeah, that's yeah. Okay. I if you don't, then I I don't think that's a big deal. Okay. Spe- speaking of a guy that has owned a bow mount on the kayak, th- that is an issue, and it's kind of annoying. But you know, that's kind of why I always fish off to the side of my kayak more than in front of me. But mm-hmm. and especially when you try to land them, you're not trying to land them off the front. But yeah, I've just you know I've tried to pitch guys certain rods for technique specific stuff, and you go, oh no, I can't have that. It's too short. Yeah. So now, now to me, um, that's not a problem. Also, and not not a shameless plug because I don't work for Hobie, but I have a 360. So whenever instead of me trying to switch the rod to one side or the other, I just in my I just turn my Hobie 360 drive into the direction that I need it to yep. to get him pinned that's down. Cool. So that's not a, that's not an issue for me. Mm-hmm. How much in kayak angling is it uh, like a curve of learning how to run that Hobie drive? in order to like use it properly for yourself uh i don't think it is i don't think it is at all okay my first day on the hobie pa was on the trinity river um uh trail on kbf 
and I was able to access water that I wouldn't have be able to access on my Outback. And I pre-fished it on my Outback. Then I got the Hobie. And I was like, uh, and then I got the PA 360. I'm like, well, now I can go back to that back of that creek where I actually found fish. That was, not that I couldn't do it on the Outback, but, you know, with the rods not being horizontal, it was yeah. just a pain in the butt. Gotcha. You know, you have to decide whether, okay, then I'm going to have to just limit myself to three rods or. Did you need so. those Yak Gadget rod holders, man, for that Outback? <laughs> Oh, those Jack Gadgets. Well, yeah, for the Outback. Not for the Hobie yeah. now, but yeah, right. no, I love Jack Gadget. Yeah. I just cool. picked up my first, like, fishing. I'm a big duck hunter, too, so, like, it's a fishing slash hunting kayak. I had a Pung 120. is more like a casual, like, long-distance stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I just picked up, like, the Bass Pro generic Ascend 12T. Um, so I have that now, and it's nice. I'm definitely looking to get out on the river. I live, uh, me and Kale were maybe quarter of a mile from the river. We get uh, – private dock access so i'll be nice. watching a little bit more but yeah first time like really gonna be fishing from like a sit on top kayak first time this year the, those uh, uh ascend kayaks are uh, popular though i said i mean yeah that was my first kayak yeah they're yeah. cheap they're durable and for me it's camo so that's like i have a nice comfortable seat which is like mm-hmm. i think the biggest thing whenever i tell anybody to buy a kayak i'm like have a comfortable seat because if it's yep. not comfortable you're not going to want to use it are you gonna have a trolling motor on it no, probably I have one. I have a fifty-five pound Minkota uh, thrust, so I'll, oh, I'll you th- throw it on there. I can throw it on there. I'll see. Um, then I have to get it registered and stuff. So yeah, in New you're going to work those peg muscles because <laughs> I tell you what, that's that's it is a heavy kayak to paddle on, man. I'm yeah. telling you, it's a workout. Yeah, well, it I seems just, like any fishing yeah, kayak these days are like that, hard to paddle. Yeah, yeah. And, and the only thing that really made me pick over to it is the ease of access of getting on and off when you're in the water. Yeah. So kayak, uh, for duck hunting at least, I had a sit-in. So when I would throw one leg over and I'd go to step on the ground and, you know, it's eight feet deep, not four like I had thought, and i just tip over and I fell in the water so many times. <laughs> I'm like, all right, screw this. I'm getting a nice kayak. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully yeah, that works like, out for me. Oh, man, I flipped my kayak for the first time ever in eight years doing it, I flipped it in uh, October. It was like Man, 60, really? 60, yeah, 70 degree water and 60 degrees outside, and I was shivering the rest of the float. Damn. Was that the Bonafide? No, it was the uh, inflatable. Oh, really? Inflatable? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you scare me on that thing. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be meaning to get one of those for the Brussels rivers. Yeah, it, it's, it's nice for it. I mean, if you can get one of the Hobie ones with the pedals – yeah mm. heck yeah that'd be perfect um yeah yeah right. um i was gonna ask you guys going back to douglas because you mentioned uh chatterbait rod and i, I i'm mm-hmm. always up in the air about these um yeah are you a moderate guy or are you a fast rod or a fast uh fast guy or what what rod do you use for chatterbait so what i have used in the past which i wouldn't say is a good chatterbait rod um, I had a six, eight medium, heavy, fast. It was more of, I looked at my arsenal. That's what I had open to fill in the slot. Um, if I had to go back, it all depends where I'm fishing. I would say, um, if I'm on a large flat, I'm going fiberglass, like a seven, six medium. Um, that way I can just launch it out as far as I can get it. Mm-hmm. If I'm throwing it around docks and structure, which I do most of the time for me. 
it's probably a seven foot medium heavy or um, that six, eight that I did use just cause I'm really comfortable with it, mm-hmm. but it really comes down to how you're going to use that jerk bait. And like I said, so if you're just looking to bomb it as far as you can mm-hmm. definitely go with the moderate action with a little bit of fiberglass in it, just gives it that, that little bit of oomph to send it out a little bit farther. And then if you're, you know, skipping around docks or trying to st- or, uh, hit certain structure, I'd go with something that's like a fast tip, a little bit shorter mm-hmm. just to, for accuracy purposes. What about you, Armando? What are you using for chatterbaits? Uh, as slow as I can get the action, more, mostly moderate, moderate fast. Moderate mm-hmm. fast is the. Mm-hmm. And Douglas has one that's uh, medium, heavy, moderate, fast. The reason my theory, and I'm not saying anybody else that uses something different is wrong, just mm-hmm. my personal feel on it. When you. A chatterbait is one of those, especially when you. Like me, I, I throw strictly jackhammers. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of like waving action, especially if you put like a like a dual tail, like a striking rage tail, they'll swave up and down. So you a lot of times you don't get that clean bite. And just this weekend, I got I was I was just talking about the prefecture that great day that I had. Every single bass that I caught was kind of on the side of the mouth. So it tells me that they don't grab it clean, right? Mm-hmm. So if you get a fast action, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind when they swallow it, the blade that's on top is gonna force them to open their mouth and launch their that that bait out their chatterbait out of their mouth before that hook can penetrate. So, yeah. in my opinion, and again, this is just my personal preference, my personal opinion. I like something that's either moderate or moderate fast. It gives the bass a little bit more, gives that chatterbait a little bit more chance of getting hooked to that bass versus just straight up pulling it away from the bass before the bass can even get a good hold of it. That's yeah, just my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, the trailer definitely makes a huge difference. So for me, I'm throwing like four inch paddle tails on mine. So usually you get that tail gripe when you're thinking like a spinner bait, like they're usually grabbing that tail. So I use a trailer hook. So I have the kind of the same mentality is I have that longer paddle tail. They're probably not hitting the blade, but I'm sure mm-hmm. sometimes when I miss them, they actually are. So that's, that's a good point, Armando. Yeah, well, I'm throwing the uh, Yamamoto Zako, Zako, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. All my chatterbaits. Those are good. So. Yeah, yeah, I like them. I mean, I've never really tried a paddle tail on them, but I do know Try- you got to flip them upside down, though, right? No, no I don't. I never do it. I never yeah, do it. I and I'll tell you what, I'll I I have it somewhere on my phone. Take if you go to, and you go to Clearwaters. I'm assuming Brad with your with, with fishing in rivers. Try oh, yeah. the paddle tail, like the striking, or even the other one that's a good one is the um Kitech. The Kitech, the not the paddle, the the twin blade, you know, like the rage tail or oh, the yeah. uh, biospawn has another one that's like that. Mm-hmm. That kicking action of that pat of that um twin tail, like a craw tail, I mean that thing, it just yeah. gives that chatterbait just a unique action that you don't get from the Seiko. Or from the um, or from the uh, the paddle tail. It's just try it. You know, burn it like a top water and watch it, and you're gonna see that jackhammer just kind of like every now and then. Every time you you reel, it'll dart to the left or dart to the right, kind of like it was banging against something. Mm-hmm. And I think that really gives that um, um, kind of like the reaction strike that a lot of chatterbaits don't do. Yep, I completely yeah, I love agree that jackhammer. That. Yeah, I do too, man. I I know I get I I was kind of reluctant at first because it's so expensive, but mm-hmm. ever since I started using that one, I I won't 
I won't touch a Project Z anymore just because the yeah, blade same. doesn't get going anymore. Like same. I threw the Project Z for probably an entire summer and just like didn't catch anything. My buddy's like, no, 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 like Jack, like because uh, it's like when Chatterbaits first came, like not first came out, but probably like yeah. four or five years ago when they weren't as prominent as they are now. And I was using it, didn't catch anything, didn't catch anything. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the jackhammer. First day out, caught like 15. I'm like, all right, that was the difference. Like, I know yeah. now you got to spend, you got to play to play, uh, pay to play. So, yeah. Well, heck, Project Z was like my first love. I won a tournament on that thing. <laughs> I caught some of my biggest fish on it, you know, and then you picked up a jackhammer. I, I just like that you, the blade just went right away, right when it hit the water. Yep. What are the other chatterbaits where it has like the clear, but more like oh, circular yeah. face? Have you seen those? Picasso. Is, is that who makes them? Yeah, so not to get off subject, Gene Jensen made a good video out of it. Um, okay. There's only three chatterbaits that actually, and the difference between the jackhammer and the rest is that their blade hits the head mm. of the jig. If I have chatterbaits that are completely eroded on the side because the yeah, blade just keeps eroding on it. I've had so the they have jackhammer for three years. Yeah, One so you'll see it that on One the sides of it. Yeah. So there's only the patent design, I think, striking with the, um, what's the name of it? The um, Thunder Cricket. Yes. They were able to secure some um, some rights to use that same kind of technology mm -hmm. or design that Jackhammer does. And then Picasso found a way around it mm -hmm. um, to also have their blade hit the, um, the, oh. uh, the head because I'm not going to get deep into it. Well, if you ever get a chance, watch that Gene Jensen video because he really breaks it down. So those are the gotcha. only three bladed jigs that, or chatterbaits that actually have that distinct sound. And I think that's the difference from yeah. the other chatterbait because it hits the blade. The other ones are just vibrating. This one is ticking yeah, while it hits. You feel it in the rod. I felt as soon as yeah. you throw that first one, you feel the difference. Yeah. That's cool. You guys gave me an idea for a show, so I appreciate that. <laughs> nice. There you go. I'm gonna talk. See if I can get somebody from Picasso on to talk about it because that's interesting. But um, yeah, man. Um, I don't know. Wait, what? You have anything else on Douglas that you want to share, or anything you want to um, ask Orlando? No, it's always just big. Uh, we're growing. Uh, you guys especially help us out so much. Um, just getting there in my recent time, um, just a little bit of time, just the amount of applications we get for uh, pro staff and other things like that. It just shows that the the Douglas name is growing out there. And, you know, we have you, guys like you guys to thank, showing us, giving us content. And that helps me out a lot in my job. And mm -hmm. I just want to thank you for that as far yeah. as Douglas goes. But. Like I said, man, I enjoy doing it. I mean, I love the rods, so yeah, very good, good stuff. Rods. Easy, easy to do when you're enjoying using what you like. Yep. By the way, Donnie, when you said the clear, I think you meant the the clear blade. You were probably talking about their stealth, the jackhammer yeah. stealth. And I apologize. I just yeah, I don't know. That, it's, yeah, it's it's a plastic curved yeah. cone. Okay, that's what. But yeah. it wasn't. Oh. Mine's, yeah, mine's not from Z-Man. Mine's a different different brand mm. I'm thinking of. Oh, you're talking about the scrungies? Is that what they call them? I don't know. Oh, I'm, scrounger. I'm, in Scroungers. my head, I'm thinking of like blue background cardboard, and then that's the brand is like blue cardboard. It's probably scrounger. I'd have to look it up. Picasso but, makes some good scroungers too. It's probably what yeah, it is. Those are a bait that I need to try, man. I, I feel like putting a swim bait on that and throwing it in the river. Yeah, it's a poor man's chatterbait that uh, <laughs> really. Well, yeah, I don't, 
What's I don't your guys have any... one bait you're working on this year? The one that you want, you want to catch more fish on. Like last year for me, it Big was swim punching punching weed mats was for me. Yeah, I, that's on mine too. We don't I got weed mats here in Ohio, so I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right, that and jigs. Yeah. Go ahead. Just jigs in general around certain things. I can't. Or? I cannot. I'm like B-Lat. I cannot catch a, a bass on jigs, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like me, I've caught, but it's just hard, man. I can't do it. I don't I know. I feel like it's tough in a kayak just because I don't. I feel like I need that angle of like looking down. Yeah. I don't know. But. You need to try Jigmaster's light wire jigs because you don't need that angle when you're on a kayak. He, I mean, you're lifting up like a Ned rig when setting the hook on that thing. Yeah. Those things are awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I really didn't start throwing a jig and probably till mm-hmm. like two years ago for me, mm-hmm. it was always Ned, Ned rig. Ned rig. When that came out was my go-to mm-hmm. on Champlain for smallmouth. That was like mm-hmm. nonstop action. So that killed, um, but then, you know, I had a couple tournaments on Champlain down Ticonderoga and throwing it around weeds. Every time I came in, it was just like weeds, weeds, weeds. And like, I need to figure out how to one, get through <laughs> these weeds and like actually get a fish out of it, not just a giant clump of grass. So yeah, that was one thing I worked on this year. And Caleb helped me out a lot. He got me on that one ounce punching jig mm-hmm. that helped a lot. Um, but then this year, I'd really like to start throwing some of those jointed swim baits. I have mm-hmm. one from Savage. Um, but you know, I've always just kind of targeted my bait towards my home lake. Uh, my family has a camp on a little, little lake on the Adirondacks and for them really the bass's only type of feed is bluegills and perch. So anything that's a swimming bait or anything like that really helps. So all my, all my tactics that I'm decent at are around the bluegill feed. So like chatter baits, um, certain jig colors really excel, uh, smaller Ned rigs um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So to now be out here in near the Finger Lakes regions, Great Lakes region, um, trying to learn some new tactics and smallmouth. I, like we have great smallmouth opportunities and great largemouth opportunities. So just kind of mm-hmm. try and figure out some new areas to kind of fill that in. But I always try to pick one thing every year to like grow upon. Yeah, I do the same thing. And I don't even remember what it was this year. I, football jigs, because I, you know, I've I've never been good at them, like Armando said. Uh, I ended up catching. I threw it until I caught a fish. I'm like, I'm determined That's to do it. Great. So, yeah. It's it's all con- in my experience at least. But everyone talks about it too is like confidence. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that bait works until it actually does, and then after that, I'm like, okay, it works. I'll I'll catch. Oh, dude. One. See, like I've talked about this before on podcast. When I'm throwing a bait like that, I go into it telling myself i know this is going to work other people do it so i'm going to catch a fish on it yeah. so when i when i go out there i throw it i catch a fish and i'm like all right i can do this i can build up on this so l- later later down on later down through the year i start building on it get better with it and i'm still not where i want to be with it but you know yeah and like it's like so like for the football jig for me like that's like rock structure and like logs mm-hmm. and stuff like that so like to me it's like i just throw it out there like pump 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 I'm like all right nothing what the heck but now it's like drag 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 okay rock pop over top of it drag 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 log yep. pop and like that's just now it's second nature you just learn okay so i got a fish every time i hit rock 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 log i usually a fish right behind that like there's mm-hmm. things that you learn like that just throwing it so much and that's where the confidence definitely comes into play and it helps with fishing offshore too i mean i've I've never fished offshore until, you know, the last couple of years and I still don't do it much, but if I see 
some kind of log or something out in the middle, I'm going to cast the jig over by over yeah. by it. And, you know, it usually catches a fish. On your guys' kayaks, what kind of electronics are you running, if any? I'm, I have a Humminbird Helix 7 right now. Okay. Garmin uh, 7. Gotcha. Um, I, guess, I think it's I the Echo Map. Right here. Yeah, um, Garmin's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love Garmin. I don't know if I... I've been meaning to go with the live, um, but I'm also meaning I've been meaning to go with the um, with the Hummingbird 360. So yeah. I don't think I can do two. that. <laughs> that would you distract you could... too much. No, <laughs> it would that that is one thing much. you talked about. Uh, Donnie, you asked the question is like how was the transition from whatever we were fishing with a bass boat, a bank, yeah. to fishing um, a hobby 360. I think the biggest thing is electronics. It's like that's the biggest trap for any kayak fisherman or fisherman in general because you're so accustomed to just following your instinct following what you learn mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you start depending on this electronics to figure out if what you thought you knew is what you're transpa yeah. transpiring um and a funny story my biggest miss on a bass assuming it was a bass i was first day on the electronic was a ray marine four inch and I have a little spoon, like a micro spoon, and I it was cold weather, it was winter. I, I throw it out, I really back in. It was just kind of like hanging out, like I was in about five feet of water, and that was about midway between the kayak and the bottom. And I'm just looking at my like electronics, and I watched this little like um, icon that looks like a fish. It's not because at that time <laughs> I was like, I want something to tell me that's a fish. And I hear the beep, I'm like, Oh, I bet there's a fish. And as soon as I heard that, I feel that reel just go like zoom. <laughs> and I was totally unprepared. It broke me off to this day. I don't know what it was, but whatever it is, it was big. And if it was a bass, I don't I don't know how big it was. <laughs> so there's one that thing that you're like, you're too dependent now on electronics. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to okay, what I've learned without electronics how do i combine it with what i'm seeing in the electronic mm -hmm. versus trying to substitute what i my my knowledge to an electronic that never going to work you're not supposed to substitute one for the other you're supposed yeah. to use them to combine them together and it takes a little bit a little definitely. bit of a while to figure that out definitely this was my first season so i actually had a little fishing boat i had a uh, 1448 uh low john boat with a 25 mm. horse evan rude so had that mainly for duck hunting, but I did kind of deck it out for fishing. That's why I bought my Helix. Um, I did a lot of river fishing and just couldn't find fish shallow. So I'm like, all right, well, they got to be somewhere. So in the river, it was really muddy. I'm like, all right, I got to find structure. So that's why I kind of went with the Helix, go up and down the river, find some side imaging, find some structure and kind of peg them off there. But it didn't really pan out to my image. But what, um, what kind of strikes me different is that as the industry grows and the technology gets higher and higher quality, um, there's like this atmosphere that people are like docks aren't getting pounded as much as they used to anymore. It's all the off structure stuff that's getting mm -hmm. hit hard because everyone's like, Oh, no one can find this out here. And none of the inshore stuff's really getting hit as much. And that was one video I watched on, I think it was wired to fish. Something they had some pro on. And that was one thing that kind of intrigued me is like, there's always trends in the fishing industry. And you know, you think, all right, that little Zepco that you never throw anymore. Yep. probably catches fish now because no one's thrown it in 20 years so it's yep. things like that that always intrigue me and i'm always like all right yeah like i don't i personally don't throw a sanko anymore just because i've thrown it so much in my life when i was younger i just don't want to catch fish like that anymore 
Yeah. But in some cases, it's definitely the best way to catch fish, and I just don't want to touch it. And it's just me being prude, and <laughs> I want to catch them a different way. So, yeah. But it's it's weird how it, it jumps back and forth like that, and it's the same thing with electronics. No, I'm the exact same way. I mean, there's baits out there, um, uh, like a crankbait for for instance. I've grew up throwing those. I got so tired of them. I don't even want to touch one now. See, I'm the exact opposite. I've only caught like five or six like smallmouth on like crankbaits. I just don't throw enough. I've always thrown the Ned rig, and now like yep, it's probably going on two years where I haven't thrown one. Yeah, because I just caught so many. I need to learn other techniques. Like I know I can catch fish on that. Mm-hmm. If I'm not in a pressure situation, I won't use it because I want to learn other tactics. Yeah, I'm with you. So that's one thing that I, when I started kayak fishing, I thought, well, I'm not going to beat the bank. That's what I did. You know, I have a kayak now. I can go, you know, and before I even got the electronics, I would target like open water flats um, and docks and I would throw a jerk bait constantly. Mm -hmm. And I got good at it. I got good at catching nice bass on jerk baits. Then I got the electronics. Then I realized banks are the place to be if you want to catch consistent fish. Yeah. So I kind of aban- abandoned the kind of like the jerk baits and the offshore. And now I'm trying to kind of get back to it and finding myself like, man, I would, I used to be good at it. And now I feel like I'm completely lost. Like I've lost all my confidence in it. One thing about the electronics. Now, if, if you're a bank beater on a kayak, this is your time to shine because <laughs> all these tournaments, all these people are just investing in off yeah. you know in off, fishing offshore getting those big bass and it's to the point where the technology is still good that not that many people have i dial it in are still learning mm-hmm. so they're going offshore trying to learn meanwhile you're getting like you said you're getting the bank almost to yourself <laughs> with a consistent bite so it's i'm yeah. saying if if you're a bank beater on a kayak Go, <laughs> this is your time yeah. to just stay with it because <laughs> everybody else is doing offshore fishing and it's not always going to work out. So yep. here's my other question for you two. So I've never fully grasped myself around the idea of spending a lot of money on a kayak. Mm-hmm. So like to me, it's like, let's like your Hobie, mm-hmm. like I don't know how much you don't have to tell me, but like, let's just say total steps, three grand, like my Jumbo that could go 30 miles an hour. I spent 1800 bucks on mm-hmm. pitch me. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> because like, your kayak... access obviously a lot better. Yeah. Like there's certain things like that, but I just never really fully grasped the idea of like spending the money on a kayak when I could spend it on a boat that goes fast. Yeah. But also like Ricky Bobby and te- like tendencies. I just, <laughs> just want to go fast. <laughs> no, I always tell everybody this kayak for the river boat for the lake i hate kayak fishing lakes man especially if they're huge i hate mm-hmm. it i don't have fun that's i think that's part of the reason why i don't do tournaments you know it's just a lot of work knives machetes saws and shears multi-tools shovels swords axes spears hatchets and tomahawks if it cuts snips slices or chops midway usa has it find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At MidwayUSA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. 
The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. I think, in my opinion, is you have to understand what you have and what you don't have. It's, it's give and take. Mm-hmm. Money aside, I like it because even if I'm not catching fish, like a lot of times, if I'm out at a uh, County, uh, country lake, you know, on the backwoods, I get to see nature. You know, I get to enjoy what I'm fishing, yeah. what I'm, my surroundings. And for the most part, wildlife is not going to get scared of this guy on a little plastic boat. So I get to immerse myself more in, 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 in the wildlife around me. Yeah, um, no, versus you're in a boat, point. you, you, you kind of, I'm blown take by that it. for granted. Yeah. You're blown yeah. by it. You kind of stand out more. You also can access areas where boat can access where nobody's. You probably have those spots yourself, and you're gonna. And there's some lakes that you know, like Lake Fork, man. You get into those back creeks, you're gonna find big bass mm-hmm. that these boat anglers are not gonna be able to to even get within a mile. Or yeah, maybe I'm exaggerating, but maybe like a, you know, you can't access that creek. Um, so to me, that's the big advantage of it. But you have to understand, you're not going to be able to, you know, pedal to the metal, going from point A to point B, fish and mm-hmm. not biting. If you pick a spot, you're pretty much stuck to it. And it makes you, my guy Canelli mentioned this when he won his tournament, um, and he was, on, he was on a few different podcasts. You know, it makes you a better angler. B-Lat, Baron Latimer, just mentioned it on his YouTube channel where that episode was aired, um, kayak fishing sucks. He mentioned it. And if you think it sucks, don't get offended. Go watch the video. It's actually, it's, it's interesting how he worded. He, he, yeah, he did the whole clickbait thing. Really. He played it really well, (laughs) but he does mention it's like when he's going to practice now, this is him, what he's saying. I'm not, you know, I'm standing, but what he's saying, um, he says he's going to practice for tournaments. On his kayak, I don't know how much of the pre-fishing is going to be on his kayak, mm-hmm. but he wants to spend time because it obligates him to stay. Nope, you're 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 limited to this mile, two miles. You got to pick it apart, you figure it out. Because yep. if you're not, if you don't figure it out, you're not going to catch any fish. Yeah, so it I does force you to be a better I don't fisherman. Catch two, I leave. Pull yeah, the <laughs> yeah. So I got a funny story about that. We were fishing Dale Hollow like 2019. Some of the paddle and fin guys. Uh, me and my buddy, we were out there fishing the middle of this uh, creek arm. It had uh, grass right in the middle of it. There was no grass on the banks at all, so you had no other choice than to fish in the middle of the creek, you know, mm-hmm. like six six feet deep. We were sitting here catching fish, catching fish. Well, they had like a big, uh, some kind of Bassmaster boat tournament there, and you see all these guys flying by on their boats at 70 miles an hour. And one guy – he would come up to the point he would make like 10 casts and then he'd jet out of there. And you see another guy come up right behind him, do the same thing. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, Hey guys, the fish are right here. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Those guys are all time-based. Like that's even oh, yeah. a different atmosphere. That I'll never even understand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like I understand like trying to put yourself in, in the position as quickly as possible, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for I me, I just like exploring, and for and also half the fish, like the fun for fishing for me is like 
the whole atmosphere of the bass boat. It's like, I like driving that spot, like going 70 miles an hour. That's something I really enjoy. That is, but I've kayaked my whole life. My dad really got me into kayaking. Like we used to kayak in the Adirondacks probably around the age of like eight, I would do like five, 10 mile trips. And like, I did a lot of long distance kayak stuff on in the rivers and the lakes up there. And so I have no, I have no complaints with kayak, but now I'm just like, I like to go a little bit faster and I like to have the storage and all that stuff. So for me it's, but obviously the benefits of both sides way out and it's, it's pretty even. I was just always was, was like kind of amazed at the, the money people spend on kayaks, but it yeah. obviously pays off as far as comfortability goes mm-hmm. getting in the higher end stuff. So it pays off. Yep. No, Maintenance is that. a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. That wind factor. It's not as big as a problem on a boat. I feel like as yeah. a kayak. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. And then like so like my boat, it did make a big difference because I mean for me personally, if I took the motor off, I could easily put my boat over like my boat over my head. I think it only oh, weighs okay. two it only weighs three hundred pounds at the most. Not that I can put that over my head, but exaggerating. Um <laughs> it's only fourteen feet and it's all aluminum, so it's it's pretty light and the motor maybe weighed that I could hold with one hand. So um, you know, maybe two hundred maybe hundred and fifty pounds, but um it's still light and that that, that blew me around as a bass boat with uh spot lock and all this stuff but even kayaks like i don't know if people with spot lock still have that same problem on a kayak mm-hmm. yeah you're, you're blowing you're always pointing towards whichever di- direction the wind's blowing from so that which, can affect how you're casting a little bit yeah, yeah. especially which when I sitting down like it's that. a huge difference yeah it depends too on like. it depends too on what kayak you have like to me i have the 360 so if i put um I may consider putting a bow mount this year, um, trolling. So if I do spot lock, it doesn't matter. I can cast in the front. I can cast on the side. I can cast toward the back of it because my rods are horizontal. Mm-hmm. If you have like a new canoe, that's another one that guys yeah. like to use it, mm-hmm. the new canoe with the trolling motor um, on the bow mount because it's 360. I mean, you can cast in any direction. So gotcha. it all depends, you know. Does your seat spin at all or you're always facing forward? I'm always facing track. forward, but okay. I stand. If if I got a spot lock, I'm just standing up. Got, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I'm doing offshore. At least I'm I'm standing up. I saw you guys last episode. You had uh, Midwest Fisher gal. The videos of her when she's on her Hobie kayak, like up front. Like I'm so oh, yeah. amazed at her balance and just all around <laughs> agility on a kayak is insane. Yeah, nah, she's she's really good. No joke. <laughs> she's crazy on yeah. that thing. That's cool, man. Um, but. As far as like new products go for this year, is there anything you're looking to get your hands on? I know for me personally, I was at ICAST this past year. Um, that Berkeley Gilly is like one yeah, thing I really want to get my hands on. Yeah, that's a popular one. I've, I've heard quite a few people say that, like, oh, I'll get that, get into that this year. So, but like back to like, it's like it's a bluegill profile. So, like for me, yeah, the lake, like that's like the thing <laughs> I really enjoy is throwing bluegill patterns. So, heck yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, that looks Pro- sweet. That Berkeley, Berkeley girly. Oh, Gilly, Gilly. <laughs> the Whatever. the products that I look forward to using this year are, are stuff that you know, like the new bending branches paddle, or you know, my seven two four XF rod I just got. Oh, ready yeah. to, I'm ready to bust some fish with that the fluke, man. I'm yeah, waiting for it. It's so much fun. See, you're still on open water, but I'm like in my mentality. I'm such like a next season guy. So like right now for me, like I'm itching to get on ice. Oh yeah. And then, like as soon as ice is like not even ice won't even be done, I'm like, all right, turkey hunting. And then like after turkey hunting, I was like, all right, bass fishing. And then as soon as bass fishing's not even over with, we're like, all right, duck hunting, all right, deer hunting. 
all right, ice fishing. And it just goes in that cycle. And I'm always like, I get a good month before the season, a month during the season. And then I'm already looking forward to the next season. And I like skip the <laughs> second half of it. <laughs> that would drive me nuts, dude. Like I'm so addicted to river smallmouth. Like, yeah, stay to I one hobby. That's, that's, that's my advice. Stay to one <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah. I got buddies that do the same thing though. So. Yeah. Um, you, you want to transition into some of these? Uh, I don't know if Armando, you got any questions, but we yeah we we got a couple few fun questions we we're gonna end the show with. Uh, Hit it. We so me me and Josh we talked about it. We were gonna start doing like a would you rather type game with some of our mm-hmm. Love uh, it. guests and stuff like that, and just fun questions, you know, just get every, I don't know, get your perspective, I guess. So, um, yeah, dude, uh, Armando, you want to start off if you have one. Let me see. Um, let's start with the classic, you know. Okay. Rather have one 10 pounder um, fishing the whole day and just catching one fish and it's a 10 pounder or catching 22 pounders? Uh, at the classic, one 10 pounder because um, <laughs> I, I think it adds more than the five two pounders. It's about the same, probably. But um, <laughs> yeah. that's actually math. It's the same. <laughs> Um, definitely one t- 10 pounder. Uh, that's like legend status compared to just average Joe. So definitely yeah. one 10 pounder. <laughs> Ohio is like that. You get five or yeah. Five, two pounders. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I- I'm with you. I, I have to say, I just had, I've been the most fish caught in one day, um, on the 31st of December. We're just talking about it that in the pre-recording. <laughs> And I would have said, you know, give me one turn pounder, eight hours fishing, just one fish. But there's something to be said about catching like, you know, four or five uh, in a row or just catching like or spending eight hours yeah. and catching 20 bass. It's it's super fun. If so I'm not I, for like the day, like you said, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'd rather catch five fish than one. But if it's like a tournament, I'd rather. Have oh, no, no. Ten. Just fun fishing. Yeah. Fun fishing. Five, five twos then. All right. What about you, uh, Brad? What questions do you have for a guest? Um, it's not a would you rather question, but would you, uh, if you could only fish one state for the rest of your life, what state would it be? As far as knowledge goes, I'd probably just stick with New York, uh, just so I could stay consistent, know all the spots, the type of fish for the rest of my life. It'd probably be that, just because gotcha. I know it. I, I, I want to get up there and fish, man. New York, dude, come out whenever you want. We got an extra bedroom. <laughs> I know everybody's. Yeah, we, we got to get in the St. Lawrence. We'll get you out in the St. Lawrence. Oh, that'd Champlain. Be awesome. I got a couple spots in Champlain. We could stay. Heck Lake yeah. George. If you want to fish Lake George, if you want to come ice fishing, we can even get you out here. I want to flog for some smallmouth on the St. Lawrence. That would be fun. I would love to do that. Heck yeah! <laughs> I haven't done that yet. That's on my list. I got. I kind of. Got addicted to it after watching Jordan Lee smash him doing it on the uh, yeah St. Lawrence this year. So here's the other here's like a little off topic thing uh, that gets pretty controversial as far as like fishing. So St. Lawrence in general, I think 2014 was the first tournament they had for the Bassmasters, where it was the largest fan viewership of all time in person. Mm-hmm. And ever since that, they've stopped there. Every major tour has stopped there every single year since, and it's kind of the the I don't know if the fishery has really gotten beat up about it, but people get really picky about it. I'm fishing it during the spawn. What do you guys think on that? I don't know. I'm, I'm not big on fish. I, this year I did a lot of spawn fishing, and I'll tell you what, it's fun. And you can catch sure. some big ones. 
if it comes to a point where a specific lake is suffering, like Lake Fort gets beat up in spawning season way regardless, too much. Regardless, way yeah. too much. And then you see lakes now that kind of like been hidden from the public eye, like OHIV, um, PK, Possum Kingdom. And I'm talking about Texas, of course, this is where I live. Those lakes are starting to blow up because nobody mm -hmm. used to pay that much attention. Everybody's like, Lake Fork, Lake Fork, Lake Fork. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I wouldn't be opposed to at any particular lake that's struggling. They say, hey, you know what? For the next year, next couple of years, stay away from spawning. Mm -hmm. We're going to ban spawning and fishing. It's only like two weeks. I mean, yeah. um, mm -hmm. so I'm not, I know that's going to sound controversial. I love it. I get it. But long if idea. long term, if it's going to have the effect on mm -hmm. a lake, then I mean, I don't care if you shut it down for that spawning week or two weeks yeah. um, for a year or so. And I, so you could fish anytime. Kind of I'm not serious yeah. too. And the elite picks it up uh, a little bit before spawn, and the MLF mm -hmm. is kind of there on spawn. But mm -hmm. the MLF is also the series where they're dropping them right back off where they picked them up. And that's yeah. kind of like us just that's going up problem. by ourselves. That's the biggest thing is just picking it up. Like, all right, I'm going to catch that five pounder sitting on a bed. I'm going to throw at it for 20 minutes. But I catch it and I put it right back. You know, it gets going five feet. It doesn't have to go 50 miles of how right. people are, you know, running to the lake or something like that. So that. That plays a role too, but I just wanted to see what your guys' opinions were on it. We can, we can go on. Yeah, that. and that, that's the difference between kayak tournaments and boat tournaments. And yeah. I was at one at Fork that would have multiple that had the Bassmaster Bass Nation kayak series at Lake Fork last year, and there was multiple bass tournaments. You know, in a spawning season, they grab a yeah. bass. Um, now they had slot limits, like which is ironic. They're, I mean, max is eighteen inch. I'm like, you're fishing at one of the biggest big bass <laughs> factories in the world, legendary, and you can only like take, like you could literally catch five 20 inch bass, but you can't take them because their tournament, it says, has to be less than 18 inches. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but I mean, I guess it protects the, well, the, the, you know, the health of the lake as far as bass fishing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> See, I've never personally gone out and sight fished for like a spawning bass or anything, but kind I'm pretty sure I've you know my favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's well, <laughs> it's like it's like a hunt. It's yeah, not fishing. It you're hunting at that. You're point. just the like once again the kayak has the advantages, like the amount of like mm -hmm. slow stealth along the shoreline, and then like mm -hmm. the amount of times I've seen it and had to like slowly back paddle and then throw yeah. at it. It's so much fun. See, you can't do that in Ohio because all of our uh, all of our bodies of water are so muddy, man. Really? Like, yeah, you can't see the bottom in half yeah. of these lakes at all. Well, that, in that case, they move really up shallow. You you oh, spot yeah. them by, you see the tail waving um, and kind of like um, airing or cleaning the eggs. That's yeah. on Lake Fork. It was kind of muddy, but you but you find them by just seeing the tail. See and, like, the, the tail ticking out. And, too, yeah. yeah. So that's how you found them. Now I went to a clear lake this year, um, and man, I was I was fishing for spawning bass, and I I saw I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like that it cannot be a bass, and I've tried and I tried, and every time I would throw in something there, and it's funny, it and I go, I know we wanted to do the questions things, Brad. So my apologies, <laughs> but. The, I've, I've heard about it, but I've never actually seen it. It's a really clear lake. There's like 10 feet of visibility. See, this is this huge, like, humongous big female bass. 
And every time I throw it in there, what she would do is she would go to the male and harass them and the male will pick up the the bait really out of the nest and i've heard about that but i never actually got to see it i've never seen that i wasn't i didn't have a lot of experience so i kept i kept um hooking the male and the female would follow the male all up to the to the kayak i can I've almost seen net her I've seen i can that. almost net her and i was like this bass <laughs> has to be at least 25 inches this has to be a double digit for the love of god this is this is a huge bass. And then I texted in the group chat, Jimmy Skinner says, keep the bass, the male bass. But it's like, I can't. So I tried to keep him on the net. Yeah. She would not bite it. I After oh, three or four hours just trying, wouldn't lift it. A John boat came to that area and he spent a couple hours and I would see him for a while. He kept trying, kept trying. Finally, we talked at the boat ramp about it because we saw each other trying. I mean, in total, that bass was targeted for like six straight hours between me <laughs> and that bass and that John boat. And I asked him, like, I, you know how fishtails goes. You think it's yeah. this big, but you think it's this big. But he's telling me, he says, and I, dude, that, that thing says, we thought it was a catfish, how big it was. Jeez. Until wow. it followed that male up into the bat on their John boat, because the same thing happened to them. That male must have gotten hooked like 20 times that day. <laughs> He's about to, you know what? Get the lawyer. I'm done. I'll play the child support. I'm not doing this anymore. Get me the hell out of here. Yeah. It was funny, but it was like, he said, like, that had to be at least 25 to 27 inch. So I got hooked on sight fishing when I saw and, yeah, it's huge, um, dude. and fishing on for uh, spawning bass with that. Never got to catch it, though. Damn. That's cool, man. That's cool. Uh, next question I got here. Who's your favorite professional fisherman? Seth Fighter. Seth Fighter is my, I got to see him at ICAST and just his whole, like a whole like atmosphere around him. He's a big duck hunter, big deer hunter and just outdoorsman. And, uh, my college roommate is his dad is Noah Bose who runs the, uh, Bassmaster opens and he's got to ride in the boat with Seth Fighter a few times. And I've heard legends say the only thing he brings on the boat with him is a two liter of Mountain Dew. So. That's pretty cool. Hey, surprise, man. He looks like that kind of guy. He, yeah. he's, a, he's a legend. He's a legend. And AOI this year just kind of immortalizes him as, as as good as he is. And back to like just sticking like what we talked about earlier, just sticking like with your guns. Like mm-hmm. he said he caught all of his fish under 10 feet this year, just fishing the thing stuff really? he knows. And that's what it kind of leads to is once again confidence. Even so, even all the smallmouth he caught under 10 feet. I'm pretty sure that's the majority of his fish. He said he caught under ten feet when his in his uh his huh. magazine for the Bassmaster whatever article they talked about it. But his atmosphere, the mustache, the hair, yeah, you know, kind of translates. Persona comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this: um, person that's no longer with us, person in history, you have mm-hmm. one person you have the whole day to fish with. Throughout history, it could be anybody. It doesn't have to be. It could be a family member. It could be somebody famous. It could be somebody outside of bass fishing. Who would you spend the whole day if you can to go fishing? That's a good question, and that's not one you think of often. Um, I, as far as it goes, I probably just pick my grandpa. I never got to fish with him. Died when I was really young, just to like learn and talk to him was like a sentimental one. But as far as like a celebrity one, I really don't have an answer for it. Um. I guess someone you try to learn from is like mm-hmm. the answer, not a generic person. Um, whether it's like a, as a person or 
as uh, certain like characteristics that you're trying to learn yourself. I would have to say respectable. So that's all I got. That's a hard one. <laughs> it is a hard one. That's good. I never, I never know what to say either. It's all good. Uh, all time favorite soft plastic color. Ooh. Ooh. I'm a green. I'm definitely a watermelon. Uh, like I said, so as a kid, I always threw uh, Gary Yamamoto's. Whenever I saw a watermelon with a limited edition flake, I always went crazy for it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no one's ever thrown this. It's limited edition. I got to get my hands on it. <laughs> so a, a watermelon, probably. And I'm all if, clear up here, so I don't throw a lot of yeah. muddy stuff. So like my visibility, once again, hometown lake is like 10 to 15 feet. Lake George at some spots I fish a lot is like almost 20 to 30. That's crazy. Yeah. So any, anything natural really, but watermelon is definitely my favorite. If you couldn't fish for bass, that includes smallmouth, spotted and largemouth mm-hmm. bass. You can't target any of those three for the rest of your life. Which fish would you target? So this past spring, I got to go down to Myrtle Beach uh, and do some charter fishing out of Myrtle's Inlet Charter Fishing Company. Definitely check them out if you're in the area. Those guys are awesome. Um, and we caught some cobia, and that was a Ooh. fun fight. Really tasty fish. And we've yep. been talking to some of our pros, and he said those are some of the best fighting fish he's fought with. Uh, and they're just big, tasty fish. And I'm a big meat guy. It's like that's why I love deer hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting, all that stuff. And ice fishing for me is a lot of fun just due to the mm-hmm. fact of the fillets because I don't keep bass, but um, cobia is probably probably the one. But if I like pick a trophy one I've never done before is like mahi-mahi or like marlin or something crazy fun like that. Yep. Have Have you ever watched that video of Next Level Fishing TV, Chris Castro? Um, he fished for a cobia. He fished down in South Texas, Corpus Christi. He had a huge cobia. That That is an epic fight. That video is epic. There must Broke the rod. Then he had like this like a bat like a small bat to hit it over the head he broke that thing hitting it that thing was still kicking so he has like a broken like a little broken bat and a broken rod and he's still fighting that fish that video was that's epic. awesome i gotta look that up yeah crisscross on next level fishing tv give it a give it a that's look. awesome it's, it's an amazing video <laughs> oh my last question was kind of in line with uh, armando so Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right. If uh, Armando, you got anything else there? I might have another one if it's okay with you. You tell me when we're done. Yeah, dude, share share one. But you have one though, right? No, I I used all mine. Okay. Ah, uh, man, I thought you were gonna. Ah. Uh, you can only use one specific technique the rest of your life. What would it be? Probably chatterbait. Yeah, I feel power fisherman. <laughs> yep, probably chatterbait. Yeah, I, I'm complete opposite. I'm a I I like finesse fishing. It'd be a chatterbait or a jig, but the the chatterbait for me the bite is more enjoyable because of the constant reel and then that stop. Yep. And it's it's good all around bait. I don't think there's a, ever yeah. a bad time to throw a chatterbait if you know how to work it. Yeah. I just caught a bass. 
<laughs> I, I just caught a bass in 45 degree water on a chatterbait this past weekend. Man. Yeah. yeah, I guess that'd be the only downside is temperature. I can't slow it down slow enough, at least for winter fishing around here. But you'd be surprised, man. I mean, yeah. you know, I was just, you know, constant, like, I don't know, moderate speed retrieve, and he bit it. That and when you're kayak fishing, that really, especially that one and a quarter ounce, um, uh, jackhammer, that big jackhammer, mm -hmm. to me, that's a great alternative to deep diving crankbaits. Because when you're in a, especially if you I've don't have, that. if you're not anchored in, anchored in, you know, a chatterbait, I mean, a uh, deep diving crankbait, you're, it's, <laughs> it's like the, the crankbait is staying at his place. You're reeling to the crankbait. Like the crankbait <laughs> yeah. is pulling your kayak versus <laughs> so, um, in some cases. So if you're not anchored in or if you don't have a good spot lock, you I mean you're really shortening the travel of that deep diving crankbait. So I've gone to, I have two of the, uh, have the black and blue and the white color, um, uh, jackhammers, the one in mm -hmm. one quarter. That's what I use for. Um, to replace the deep diving crank, but just throw it out there. It'll get to 30, 50 feet of water fairly quickly and then mm. just start reeling it or dragging it. I'm going to have to try that. I use half ounce. Please. I fish it shallow. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's great for like Armando's language, man. He's a big chatterbait head. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's cool. I throw well, the man, same color. I only throw the bluegill color. <laughs> hey. I, that gets hit oh, here throw. too. So I, I throw that be like though that be like color that green and and dark that light green like char oh yeah chartreuse. chartreuse green and that dark uh green combination. Yep. Yeah, mine's like the chartreuse in the bottom and it like kind of like green to purple fade is that whatever color oh, yeah. that I, I use. Yeah. That's all I use. Yep, it's kind of like the bass bass candy or something kind of something like that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, man, we're you know we're hitting our time limit here so uh you want to let listeners know where they can follow you and stuff like that yeah definitely definitely follow the douglas instagram it's douglas spinning cast mm -hmm. we also have douglas fly fishing as well um my personal is donnie the mullet uh donnie underscore the underscore mullet um i do a lot of duck hunting and you know deer hunting turkey hunting and stuff like that too so if you're looking for some alternative fishing content definitely give me a follow and uh guys thank you so much for having me on as a it's a great time. I missed doing a podcast, so it was nice catching up with you guys, especially, you know, like we said, we know feel like we know each other, and it was nice to talk to you guys for about an hour, so I really appreciate the opportunity. Heck, yeah. You got any uh, sponsors you want to shout out or anything? Yeah, John Yacht's always one that reps me out a decent amount. Mm -hmm. Jesse down there in Charleston, so give them a fall if you have any. Um, you know, if you have a tin, tin can, John Yacht or John Bo, anything like that. Um, I want to thank uh, Douglas, obviously. Make sure to give them a follow, and then Get Bent TV. They did the podcast with them as well. They also have the bait company, Fresh Baits. So give them a follow as well, too. And, you know, we're talking about Spawn. That Scorpion is one they've never seen before, and it's a little aggressive bait, and that gets a lot of reaction bites. So give that a check out this this spring. Heck, yeah, I'm going to check that out. So cool, man. Uh, pr appreciate you coming on. It was a fun episode. So kind of different than what we usually do, but that's all right. <laughs> kind of trying to, you know. Change it up it. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Keep it all Keep it all fresh, so. Uh, anything else, Armando? Now, Donnie, great job doing the social media. Uh, the reels you. that you're putting up, I like that you're not sticking with the uh, like the generic everybody does the voiceover, the same exact regurgitated song or editing. You kind of do your own thing with the reel, you kind of 
pick your own music that's kind of like offbeat from whatever else is doing. You got good quality videos on your reels on Instagram. So I'm really a fan of what you're doing at the uh, the Instagram page, man. Keep it up. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. And that just leaves me also follow us on TikTok too. The TikTok is the one thing that we're really trying to push now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week and uh, listening to us yammer on about fishing. So uh, have a good weekend and uh, we'll see you guys next week.